Hello and welcome to the year that we started the podcast, a podcast born from the ever, ever piling rubble that is 2020. I am your co-host, Jeff. And I'm your other co-host, Nick. And this is our podcast. We're a couple of friends, a half a continent apart, that have come together and talking about the things that are fun and interesting to us. Nick. Yes. Different than our last couple episodes, this time, instead of a question, I have a dumb story. Because I know, I know for a fact that we're going to get into some nerdy stuff. So I don't want you to feel like you're, you know, out on that all by your own. Uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I want you to be comfortable. (laughs) We we haven't talked about this literally at all. When I was, gosh, I don't don't even want to guess super accurately. But let's say I was in the preteen, early... Yeah, preteen. Let's go preteen. I was, you know, I don't know, 11, 12. And it was when Yu-Gi-Oh! was super, super popular with our group of friends. It was, you know, all the rage, trading cards, etc. I was a competitive kid, and (laughs) that's turned into a competitive... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Turned into a competitive adult. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) But no, one of the things that uh, had came out was the Labyrinth episode... I don't know, it was like four or five episodes. And me and my brother, mostly me, uh, with my brother as a, a, a poor kid to help do the manual labor with me. So if you're not familiar with the with what happened oh, during this... I'm familiar. I'm, I'm far too familiar. <laughs> okay, okay. Have I, have I told you the story before? You've hit the right demographic, but no, you haven't. No, no. Oh, okay, this is great. Oh my gosh. It's probably okay. worth saying the background for anybody who's listening who isn't, uh, you know, as... <laughs> As deep in this rabbit hole as we are. Yeah, so, okay. We... <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> I'm having a hard time. The Labyrinth episode, yep. It's, yep. It, it's, this, is, this is so embarrassing to say. I don't think I've ever said it. At least this it. is your childhood. I'm going to tell you about nerdy stuff that's going on in my life on my day-to-day. <laughs> so you're good. Yeah, so uh, about the time that those episodes came out, uh, me and my brother, we were uh, pretty close with a, a few friends from... Uh, you know, just had the mutual interest of dueling. Oh my gosh, this is yes, terrible. Uh, anyways, so Labyrinth episode, it was really cool. It's a different take on what was going on at the time. And so I wanted to recreate that in our own group of friends. We took, uh, I think the size of the the poster board was maybe, I don't know, three foot by two foot. And we took maybe six of those. Like the whole size of it was probably probably six by eight or something to that effect, uh, six by eight foot. And so we had all of that real estate to work with and then took cardboard and cut out pieces for walls. And I measured out, like with a ruler, the lines of where each space was. So I measured out every single space, like as if it was a chessboard that was six foot by eight foot or whatever. And then made a lab, like right made a maze with like little portal things where you could port to different parts of the maze, just like it was on the show. Oh my god! And then we would take it apart and then take it to our friend's house and play, or they would come over to our house and play. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I used hot glue, and part of it got glued to the carpet, and might have gotten a list. Might have got most, most people bring over like a fo- football or a basketball or whatever their friend's house. You come over with a big cardboard labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> I came over with my life work. Yes, of course. Um, but no, like it was so much work, 
but it was so much fun and I enjoyed it so much. And it was the nerdiest thing that I had done up until I started DMing a a campaign <laughs> a while back in the pre-COVID days. But so Nick, I, I need to know well, okay, first off, do you have any closing comments on, I on do, how I do. nerdy that is? Um, so one, um I'm I'm right there with you. Um Yu-Gi-Oh was like big in that part of part of my life too. Uh I you know, we're the same age group, so you know. Um my I I don't have anything great like that, any super great anecdotal thing, but you know, my friend work my friend worked at a card shop when he was like 12 which doesn't make sense to me in retrospect but whatever yeah i'm pretty and sure that's illegal <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure right i don't know if he really worked i don't know it's it's, it's all vague okay but uh but we would go to weekend tournaments there and stuff and uh i i, I actually like did okay i made money i like actually made money that, so, all right uh, so 12 year old like, card shop guy which is legal i'm pretty sure whatever age you are is probably also legal to be gambling Yu-Gi-Oh! No, no, not, not gambling you like you know you like pay like five dollars to get in and then if you like if you win you get okay like, okay you get a small por- part of that as like a pot right so it's not like a gamble it's more just like a, a prize yeah it's just a gamble on whether you win or not so it's not a gamble at all look <laughs> i don't know man Mentee is weird. <laughs> That's what I've learned. All right, <laughs> this conversation. Okay, so what are you? Uh, what are you up to these days? That is something that can even remotely rival the nerdiness I mean, you, of who I was when I was thinking. You wrote it down, so I assume that you know. <laughs> um, I am. I am stepping into the the last bastion of nerddom. Uh, the last uh, area I've ever. Uh, the point of no return. I'm doing a D and D campaign with some friends. Um, starting in like a week uh oh yeah you haven't oh my god so you have not started no no first session's tentatively on the 21st oh man that's actually the date of the live show that i'm looking forward to we'll talk about that yeah. offline um, yeah I, I think i might be sad that i'm missing that I found out today. <laughs> um okay uh so this is this is i feel very privileged to be able so, to talk to you yeah, so so here's where I'm at with it is um you know I I don't have a whole ton of shame about like wanting to do funny nerdy stuff. Uh, video games are super fun and uh, engaging and all that good stuff and can be social. Um, I've never really done any tabletop stuff because it feels like I think there's a part of you that's like oh yeah yeah, yeah. but I, I'm not the guy who dresses up or that guy who does X Y Z but there's nothing wrong <laughs> with any of those things right like if they're funny like and you know you watch. Uh, I don't know whatever oh. movie, whatever movie where they and you you laugh and I, it is it's probably a subconscious part of you that's like oh but oh, I'm man. better than that all right like I'm I'm better than LARPing <laughs> yeah ex- right right exactly right um, but so you know and I kind of associate tabletop stuff with that but it, I don't think that's fair um, the guys that I'm gonna play with are some old friends and some of their friends and you know. One of them's like a police officer and is a totally like you would never guess that he plays video games yeah. as much as he does, much less that he's interested in doing a D and D campaign. Like if you talk to him, the number one thing he wants to talk to you about is craft beer and pool, like billiards. <laughs> and but you know, if you also p- keep pushing, it, at some point he does have to go to bed or go inside. You can't just be out at a brewery all day. So he does go inside, and then he just plays video games all night. So, you know what I mean? And so I guess yeah. now we're gonna do a D and D campaign. No, that that is so awesome. Um, and like so, I, I just I think that there is, it does have quite the stigma and. <laughs> partially rightfully so like it is the like it is quite the the nerdy thing to do but i do think uh there is a bit of charm and camaraderie that comes from that sort of thing you know i like i said i i've dm'd 
a pre-COVID uh, campaign, and we were right on the cusp of like me branching off and doing my own thing. And like part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because I I really enjoy creating things, and I I realized pretty early on uh, that I wanted to do something that was not scripted, and I wanted to write my own stuff. I've always been somebody who's kind of wanted to dabble in that sort of thing. And to have that outlet where you're creating something that is, uh, you know, objectively, like creating something is obviously going to be something that's consumed by other people. If you, you know, have any sort of audience or have anybody who's interested in, you know, consuming whatever it is you're making. But there is another level of fun that is like experiencing that real time. And I, I really, really enjoyed like coming up with these things and, the extemporaneous storytelling when you have to, you know, adjust when somebody does something completely off script of what you would have expected. And I, I was going to say, I think there's something really unique about it. Um, actually, in a way, uh, doing these podcasts is unique in that same way that it's it's so hard. Um, you don't have that that strict creative control. It's such a collaborative thing. And it's such a improvisa- improvisa- improvisational, words are hard, improvisational <laughs> thing that even you know the best laid plans like are gonna go awry and then you just have to improvise or like okay well what would happen in xyz and i think that's super interesting all its own because there's not really another storytelling medium like that so as far as a creative outlet you're in a a different kind of territory right yeah and i i honestly i think that is the most fun part like the, the the parts that you script and come up with are certainly important to have because you have to keep the story flowing or you have to have you know right. the you know story moving forward but the the random things that you don't expect that you can turn into super fun memorable things i i very much enjoyed when we were first doing our campaign uh where our warlock tan oh my gosh this is so nerdy <laughs> where our warlock tandem knocks uh, in our party uh happened to have rolled like just the most ridiculously successful rolls like roll after roll after roll it just like smoked through all of my adversaries this was supposed to take you much longer this was supposed (laughs) to be much more difficult uh okay (laughs) like okay well that was supposed to take a half hour that took about half a minute so that's just great but no like that's really good like i will always remember that that was super fun and i really enjoyed so okay so nick um what so you are going to maybe or seems like going to be a part of a D and D campaign. So what are you going to be? Oh, I, so I I don't have. I feel bad because I know we have this topic, and I I thought it would be interesting to talk about the more like broad strokes of that. But our um, so I've never played before, and I'm playing with a, with a group of uh, five other guys who all have played before and played a, a bunch together. So and they're I think this might be their first one they're doing online together. But more importantly. Um, so I have a brief overview. Uh, my DM said he's going to drop some docs soon, which is to say, okay. I think I'm about to get like a lore dump on my face like this week sometime. <laughs> and uh, some other guys have ideas for what they want to play and I have been talking about it, but I was very much like, okay, well, I don't know what I'm doing as much. So I'm going to try and do this. Our first night is going to be not playing, but like a setup and create the characters and whatever else. Uh would go into that day and I am very much holding off. I have like ideas, but I really want to do, you know, something that would, that would fit. That wouldn't be taking any, like a uh, take like existing in a space that someone else already has. Like if somebody else is already like a mage, like 
seems silly to have two guys who are doing the same moves. Yeah. I, I'm very disconnected. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know that much about this 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 uh campaign or whatever. Uh yeah. Are you are you doing one of the traditional like starter campaigns or with a more experienced group are you guys doing something custom or no um the guy who's our dm i think has played a bunch i think he's been playing for a long time basically Uh what i should say um and he uh he showed me a one shot i was gonna do a one shot with him earlier this year but it was gonna be too long and i couldn't i couldn't do it and that itself just the one shot was this really really interesting like i mean you know it, it read to me more like a like a fantasy novel like overview than it did yeah. a D thing and I, he has not said that he's doing a um an original world or original campaign but i have to imagine that that's the case and uh yeah so yeah most yeah most people that have played you know as long as it sounds like he has are probably going to even if it's not like completely original you like if it's a pre-made thing they'll do their own take on it and definitely it's that makes sense. my so my biggest advice for you or my most important advice for you is to uh and it sounds like you're already well on your way but the least expectation is the best thing like just being willing to roll with whatever it is and then like whatever your character lands as to just freaking buy into it because it's so much fun to have like it wouldn't necessarily be what you would typically do in another game and like the like your totally. own personality but like to step out of that and totally buy in like, it's so much fun I, that it's just a blast no it makes it makes perfect sense and you know luckily i'm not 13 i'm not, I'm not gonna be playing for some <laughs> power fantasy or something you know what i mean or like i'm not gonna take it personally if right. i'm not like the you know <laughs> carry or the big bat the big badass or whatever um i don't really care i just want to goof around and have uh you know and laugh and have fun with a bunch of uh cool people so there you go i'm so proud of you nick you've grown up so much <laughs> I, it's, I know i know show of maturity here my dean data and my D overview <laughs> yeah see speaking of mature topics um so we were talking before the show um going through the show notes of just the one of the things that I had to put on there was screen time. Yeah. yeah and this is a tough one for oh everybody man. right now. Oh, Nick. So I, so I, I, we haven't even talked about this. I, at the beginning of the year, uh, probably a month or two into the pandemic, I decided that I was going to be a, a, uh, a, be- a better person and more control of what I spent time looking at. And I. Good man. Yeah, well, <laughs> good intention to man. I so I <laughs> I so I subscribed to the Economist, which is when I when I googled the the most like unbiased journalism play like just I I wanted something that was not going to be totally the the biased things out there right. toward me. Like I I just wanted something that was not that because I'm I've been so exhausted by that sort of media. There's literally a term for it somewhere. It's, it's escaping me right now, but there's a term for the feeling that we all have about like um, getting more deeply divided and getting more kind of fearful of things through our consumption of media and stuff. Like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, and it's it's overseas based, so I don't have to. I mean, I at least in my mind that at least separates it a little bit from you know the typical American centristic view of things. And my my idea was like I was going to just read that. Like I actually got the magazine or newspaper sent to me weekly, and I was going to do that as my news. And like I did okay, and 
And I did okay for a long time. Like, it, it wasn't perfect. And I certainly still had some amount of social media influence. And, like, it's it's very easy to dive into sports stuff and then, you know, be on Reddit for whatever is happening in the NFL or NBA or whatever. And then immediately get sucked into all the other thing Reddit wants to have you click on. But I did a good job for a long time and until the election uh, was nearing. And I spent a whole lot more time just allowing myself to doom scroll through yep. just all the things. And like whoever came up with the term doom scroll, I that is the best way to describe exactly. It really is. It really is. Like, I, I, I literally felt nothing other than that. Like it, it is so much the, the feeling that I have. But there should be like Jaws music in the background as you continue to read headlines. Just... Yeah. <laughs> Freaking seriously. Um, but, but anyhow... So I allowed myself to dip back into that because, you know, it's an important time in our country and I want to know what's going on and I can't All be a fair. perfect human. But as the election, wow, or uh, you know, finished up, I, I wanted to return a little bit to not doing that so much. Uh, and, and that's just been a recent thing in the last day or two. And, you know, I... I didn't want to, but I looked at it. So I've I've switched over to the iPhone life here for a little bit. Having opened that opened that line of thinking again, where I want to spend a little bit less time being influenced by all the the things that you get sucked into. I I, I took a look at the screen time uh, that I've spent uh, and how that's changed over the last three four weeks, and I was very shocked with what i had seen and like i'll send this to you nick uh afterwards if you want but um yeah the last the last few weeks or last two weeks specifically i've averaged oh my gosh this is so hard for me to even say uh i've averaged over five hours a day on my phone which like i like it is not healthy even i don't think it is fraction of that but like, oh my, like Nick, there's only 24 of them and I'm asleep for <laughs> assumedly like, like eight, it's give or take an hour. And like, oh my God. I, that is so, and like, so like, I, let's assume I'm asleep for eight. Let's assume I'm at work for eight. That only leaves another eight. And, I, and like, I have a family and a wife, kids, like there's, there's no way that that's good. And there's so many of those things that are interesting and informative, but they're also also rage-inducing and and sometimes take me down rabbit holes that are unproductive. So I wanted to say all those I, things to say. I should. I, I want to tell you. I didn't want to interrupt your quote, but it's worth saying. I think. Uh, I think that people being honest with themselves would realize that that's very normal right now. I. I. I, uh, I probably have dipped into that range um, even without social media. Um, I. I don't know, man. I, I, this is a very bizarre time. Besides being home as much as we are, besides the fact that we've been home so much that I think everybody's just a little bit bored and a little bit more into our like sillier uh, bad habits. And I say sillier as in like just you know, like just yeah, I'm on my phone for twenty minutes while I wait for the food to cook or whatever instead of doing anything with that time because I don't know, man. What else am I doing? The house is clean. It's fine. You know. Yeah. And, Mix that with uh with the election and with 
the million other things that happen on a daily basis in this world in 2020, I think that's totally fair to be on your phone. Like, I, I don't think any, it's not healthy, like you said, and I don't think it is, but I also don't think people, well, I don't, I don't think that's uh, an outlier yeah, by any means. Yeah, it, it's understandable, but it's yes. not good. I, yeah. And that's where, so like, I wanted to, I wanted to say that to, to say like, I, I want to use this as a little bit of accountability that I, that needs to be half, if not less. And I, I just don't, you know, in the couple of other episodes that we've done, I've alluded to it. And obviously in other conversations I've had, like, I don't think that it's a super, uh, a super great thing that we got going for us with how much time we spend being influenced by algorithms that are tailored to keeping our attention. <laughs> uh, because the things that keep our, our attention are the things Panic. that, yeah, panic. Yeah, and and bad and anger and all the things yep. I don't want to spend my like the the whole freaking reason why I wanted to make this podcast of like I just want to which again feels a little bit counterintuitive to what I'm talking about now but like I just want to spend time doing things that uh, are or talking about things that are good and and interesting and fun and etc. Not the things that are making me. Blah. I know it's, this isn't like a fun conversation or a fun topic, but it is probably a productive and therefore right. positive uh, right. topic, especially if you can use it as a form of uh, self accountability, uh, which is something I have one hundred percent done. Not only like on this podcast already, but also with you a million times. So if I ever bring up something that is not always the most uh, fun, I apologize. But I, I think it's positive. You're good. You're totally fine. Yeah, and it's not necessarily super fun, but I do think it is productive and, and, and yes. a good thing. And I think that that I, I'll I'll allow that to be uh, fit into you know the the pretense of what our podcast is about. Um, yeah. But that that said, Nick, uh, one thing, and like I've known you for a very long time, uh, but one thing that has always interested uh, me with what how you handle online stuff, I've not known you to social media at all yeah. question mark so um i i had a myspace and a facebook and I, I won't like dwell on this because it's very connected to what you were just talking about and that we should you know use all the time you know talking about stuff that's less fun even if it is positive to talk about but it's basically the same ideas um in, in different some different applications but i deleted my facebook i think in like 2011 or 2012 I and for me that was I finished high school in 2010 so it was probably about a year removed from high school and I realized that you know most of what you think that you were getting out of Facebook and just I shouldn't just just rail on Facebook I never had an Instagram I never had a Twitter um, I do have a Reddit account and that is my like actual weakness because it feels more anonymous to me and it makes me feel like it's it's better um, I try very <laughs> hard with, to use it yeah. I'm with you there it's that that's my most active weakness is definitely Reddit account, but yeah, go ahead. I try very hard. I've only ever posted on um, subreddits that are not about current events in any way. Like I posted on like the NBA subreddit, um, NBA discussion subreddit, uh, mountain biking, um, a video game or two, and uh, a book series. Um, so you know what I mean. Like I, I've tried very hard to keep it a very social, surface level social media experience. Um, and I try, I don't go on other subreddits. I don't go looking for subreddits, but at the same time, I check in on basketball stuff way too often there. I check in on whatever else I'm in the, you know, is my current ethos way too often. 
the, the main reason I, don't, I haven't done social media, I deleted my Facebook and deleted um, anything else I had. I forget if I had anything else. I may have had an Instagram account for a very, like, sh- like for a minute. You know what I mean? For, like, just the shortest amount of time. I deleted all those in 2011 or 2012 because I felt like all of the reasons that we tell ourselves that we use social media to keep in touch with family or people that we don't see that often or to see pictures of friends and family and what's important to them, use it for um, social gatherings, whatever... Some of that stuff was happening, sure, but it wasn't really happening to the extent that I didn't think it was really adding that much benefit or that much value to my life. And, you know, if I want to see my cousin's wedding pictures, I can still ask them like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not on Facebook. Can you send me Can you send me a text? And, you know, sometimes you do miss those. And sometimes that like you definitely miss out on friends casually getting together, friends casually having conversations. Um, I've definitely been there when like, coworkers say oh did you see that thing i posted and they all laugh and you kind of feel a little left out so like you're not like it's not a significant loss and the downsides i mean we we have to dive into it it's so obvious (laughs) nick but like i i like all all what you're saying i subscribe to but you're talking about doing this when you were flipping 18 years old and i was very dumb when i was 18 (laughs) years old like what like what what specific? Like, is it just you? Are are you just that much <laughs> more aware of how bad this like back then? Like what that was? Um, what was what was the tipping so point there? I'm not. I'm. Uh, I, I'm gonna sound like a like a uh, you know the the millennial that I am, but uh, I was in one of my journalism courses that was about. Uh, I think it was literally titled um, Mass Media Influence or something like that. And it wasn't about social media explicitly. It was about mass media. So, like, you know, also 24-hour news networks and whatever else. And it was it was really, like, I was already kind of disillusioned with it. I already felt like I was always checking my phone to see, like, who posted what as their status instead of texting my friends the way I always had or just, you know, talking to my friends. It, it kind of just, like, that and then you know, watch documentaries and just try to try to be more self-aware of it. That isn't to say that I am, you know, I'm not trying to say this like, in a, oh, I was mature enough to just, for me, I don't know, I, I have small social circles anyways. I never was the kind of person who kept up with 30, 40, 50 people at a time. <laughs> when I had, you know, 150 friends on Facebook, I felt like I was like, I don't, I wouldn't talk to, not wouldn't talk to, I, I in my day-to-day, the amount of these people that I would really interact with anyways is very little. And not that I didn't like them or didn't have any, or had bad thoughts about them. It's just like, you know, this is a person I had a, a class with two years ago and I value that time. And if I saw them again, I would love to, you know, do something, you know, grab lunch or something. But do I really need to see every time they go to a bar and take a, a group shot with their friends? Or do I need to see, you know what I mean? It's just, it just seems silly. So <laughs> well, I yeah. I feel I feel a little bit embarrassed that I could use a good amount of life advice from eighteen year old Nick to thirty year old Jeff. Uh, if if any, uh, uh, you could use that <laughs> single piece of advice from eighteen year old Nick. <laughs> I'll take it where I can get it. Um, so you you kind of mentioned that that like stemmed from a a class and just how that kind of made you like did did you. Because I I can think back to some of the teachers that I had, and there's a couple, uh, two specifically that I feel like really shaped who who I am slash how I think about things. Did you have good teachers growing up, or like I mean, obviously I feel like whatever whatever teacher this was or whatever the subject matter was, I think affected you in a way that I feel like many of us could be affected. But was there anything else like that? Um, 
You know, I, I've only had a couple. I, I would say both of the I the two that I that stand out to me are the only two whose uh whose names I remember after a distant amount of time. And both of them were super awesome and super influential. I didn't have a, you know, oh captain by captain style uh, relationship with them where I was like really, really uh close to them, but I do know that um both of them checked in on me, wanted better for me than just the class, and were uh very influential. Um, and not just me, obviously, but like the whole class. My I my one of them being that journalism professor, I took three courses from him, all three of my journalism courses before I uh I switched majors. And then uh my C plus plus cor- uh professor not long ago. Interestingly enough, no no high school teachers and no teachers from university. These were both um professors from uh community colleges, which is just you really know, probably coincidental, but it's interesting. Yeah. Both both of mine were um well I, nope that's not true <laughs> I started off with a lie there um no one of mine was from high school one of mine was from college one was a social studies slash history teacher through middle school slash high school she moved up with us and that's um, really cool yeah like it was a transition time for my school and she transitioned with us and the thing that she did that was different. Well, and not that other teachers didn't do this, but she so much valued taking the time to to prepare for school, like prepare for class and like how important it was to like how valuable it was to spend the time outside of class to show up prepared and like which all That's that sounds very valuable. It, it sounds so like intuitive, like of course every teacher should do that, but like she just did it in a way that was impactful to me. And so I I did a you know, I did well in that course, but more than anything, I just realized how much, like, if I spend the time invested in something, I can do do something that is, that, that's a good job and it's worth worth spending the time to do. To, to, oh, sorry, am I interrupting? Do you no, have another, no, go another ahead. One? You're good. Okay. Uh, so then you said, uh, that that is a very, very super valuable lesson, but spending the time outside of it and pre- preparing is very valuable. And I think a lot of kids probably don't realize that, right, until much later in life. So something you said reminded me of actually I should give credit where credit's due. When I was younger, I moved a lot. And in middle school, um, I ended up going to like five middle schools as an example of how much I was moving. And um, it kind of messes with your academic stuff because, you know, sometimes you're out of class for a month while your parents' home is getting figured out or whatever, right? Because they're changing jobs or rather moving for a job or whatever. So... My sister and I ended up at a charter school, and I know charter schools are very controversial these days, but the reason we were there, I believe, is because they weren't doing um, just, like, the standardized curriculum, and we had both been kind of, like, just circumstantially got, uh, not screwed, but we're out of school for, like, two months or something like that, and, you know, that messes with your ability to know math topics and whatever, right? Right. So. The, the teachers there is a very small school uh, in a small town, and uh, uh, I think it was like 80 to 90 kids per grade, and uh, so I think there were four or five teachers per grade as well. The two or three of the teachers in particular that I had a several courses for were just like embodied that going the extra mile thing that you hear about from teachers. Um, mm-hmm. We had to have all content turned in. And for me at the time, like I had never struggled as a student, but I think that specific year I struggled to get a lot of stuff done because it was just like a new weird situation and whatever else. And, you know, we had to have all of the content done that, that we were there for. And these teachers stayed 
late with not just me, but like everybody who was missing stuff. And this is a charter school, so you had people from all kinds of weird scenarios and walks of life and whatever yeah. else for reasons. So the the lot of us were late after school for I, I remember like the entire last month of, of classes, we were just always late and just always there till way too long. And the the teachers there had totally went above and beyond. And the reason I say is that if you want some like that can influence a kid and positively affect a kid, we all understand that giving to others and giving your time to others is valuable, but seeing it in action, especially at a young age, is definitely an a, super was a super positive influence for me and it definitely like instilled in me that you know we should all be paying it forward in that way of like if we all do more for others or are willing to spend that extra time for others then others will see that positivity and want to do more for others as well and it, it, it just doesn't necessarily come back to you it's it's a better world for everybody right i uh my my other teacher that i would uh put as the most influential person in a teacher role uh, for myself was my Spanish teacher in college. And I actually had to take three Spanish classes in college, uh, to which I'll say, uh, to kind of discredit myself in this, uh, I I basically (laughs) know no Spanish now. (laughs) Which is funny because when I met you, you were good. You were good. Yeah, I I certainly did used to know some amount of Spanish and I can still, I don't know. I, I, I'm okay-ish, uh, like, listening and understanding. Uh, if I were to be asked to say anything, I would quickly figure out how I can exit that situation as quickly as possible. <laughs> um, uh. But no, I, I remember my, my first semester in college. So, like, I... So two things. One, actually, this is going to lead me to a funny high school story. So I took Spanish all through high school, I think four semesters um, in high school. And I I had I had one B in uh, in high school, but it should have been two. And so my my first B was my very first semester in high school. I got a B in geography or something uh, because uh, I don't know. The teacher hated me. Uh, that, that's what <laughs> my excuse was. No, like I, that's what all of that, our excuses are. You're fine. Uh, high, high school football and blah, blah, blah. And I had yeah, yeah. priorities. And, uh, uh, we're, we're adults and, here. We're, we're all okay. <laughs> Etc. Etc. Et I totally go that route too. I'm just like, let me explain to you why my seventh grade <laughs> grades. Okay, but go ahead. Right. Sorry. But <laughs> again, thanks that are probably not great to say on a podcast. So I... My, I think sophomore year, maybe junior year. My man, there. This this story could be twenty minutes long, but I'm gonna give you the condensed version. So I I finished my let's let's call it junior year of Spanish, and I had like an eighty three or something like that. Which uh, for our school, you had to have ninety two or higher to be an A. Okay. Yep. And so end of the semester, I'm like, well, frick, this is my second. Second B, I don't want to have another B. I like, I liked it when I just had the one B that I had the good excuse for because of blah 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 freshman year <laughs> football or whatever. So I went in and talked to our teacher, who I'll uh, leave nameless, and uh, said, "Hey, like, I know my grades not the best. Is there anything that I can work on to like? Is there any last minute uh, extra credit things that I could do? I know it's kind of a long shot." And she- <laughs> So uh, she went through and 
she like, hey, you know that that test that we took back at the beginning of the year that you got a C on or whatever. You you kind of picked up on some of those concepts, so I'll I'll go ahead and move that to an A. And she basically repeated that sort of conversation like uh, <laughs> four to five more times until the computer said I got an A. And then she said, oh, "All right." God. So like, I felt so so dirty that I had gotten an A. <laughs> By just You're literally only revealing this story 15 years later, and now that you know yeah. the record set like, in stone, I'm I'm feeling more and more guilty by the minute. Which I have so many hilarious guilty Jeff stories when everybody thought I was a nice innocent kid. Damn. Yeah. So, so I got an A in all my Spanish classes despite having not deserved that. And then uh, at Wichita State, had a teacher who. Did the typical thing that I think you have in um, foreign language nowadays, which is the teacher, regardless of how experienced you are, is going to start that class not speaking English. And that was very, very intimidating to me. But she she did such a fantastic job of taking those of us that were struggling with Spanish, like helping us after hours um, or even during the class, taking time aside and uh, making sure that we were even if we didn't 100% get what was happening or understanding what she was talking about, that we would be able to follow enough, you know, well enough to be able to, you know, progress through the course. And I just remember our first final, there was like a required, like meet with the teacher separately, like practice for the final. And it was like, we were supposed to show up and talk exclusively in Spanish. And she, which I, 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 I very well may even get emotional talking about this, but like, um, she, she did such a good job throughout this entire class where we spoke literally no English, no English at all. And of like asking us about our personal lives. And at that time, Katie and I had gotten engaged and we're going to be married the next year. So like, it was a very, so this may have been a little bit more advanced. This might not have been the first semester that I had with her, but like, I just remember, going into practice for that final with her knowing that I had to exclusively speak in Spanish and I said something dumb where I called my like I used the the female version of whatever the word it was to describe myself right so it's like I was uh not yeah I don't know it was uh Senorita. yeah right not no not that not that obvious oh, okay uh but but like I, you know, she asked me about our engagement and our, uh, like what we were planning for our wedding. And then obviously helped me with some of my stuff for my final that was coming up. Then afterwards, for the first time, after probably a couple semesters, again, I don't know exactly the time frame, but talked to me in English for the first time um, in the very, very, like we've talked in Spanish, which I am terrible at, but she kind of shared a little bit about herself and what her and her husband were going through with her husband immigrating to the u.s and how hard that was and how excited she was for katie and i (laughs) um that's too cool that's a genuine connection right it's a genuine person-to-person connection not just a teacher that's going through the motions right yeah thank you for filling in the part where i got choked up (laughs) but um (laughs) but like to have gone through all that learning and knowing that like obviously learning spanish is good and like I understand why it's a part of our curriculum. It wasn't a thing that I particularly was going to be ever good at. Um, but she, <laughs> to pull back the veil to show how much she actually cared about us, and she had—I mean, she had spent so much time working on us with Spanish. But to know that, like, 
through all that, she still cared of us as people too, was a really, really cool thing. And that, that has been really meaningful to me for a long, long time. And anytime I've had any opportunity to, to invest in a person with their development, but also with them as a person and to show how much I care about them as a person, that has always been a huge influence. Like it means so, it meant so, so, so much to me. And I just, I, I hope that I can pay that forward. And Incredibly well said. And a really, really good story. And I think uh, it's something that we, we probably take for granted is the fact that, you know, people need help to develop in certain areas, especially when we are very comfortable in an area or topic. It's, it's so important to be able to reach out and help people get to, to whatever stage they need to be in and also care about them as we're doing that. Super valuable lesson. All right, so I can't. No more. No more real talk. That's got, too got much. Got it. <laughs> so, oh man, we're gonna have Jeff cry on the third episode. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love Second it. episode, bidets. Third episode, Jeff cries about stuff. <laughs> uh, so we are passing an hour in recording, but I do want to tell one last funny story because I have it on my list. So uh, before we, we call it a night, I uh, I wanted to tell my story because I have it in my show notes, and I'll probably forget it. And it's one of my favorite stories to tell. I think that'll be kind of a theme that I have a bunch of favorite stories to tell from when I was a kid and doing dumb things. Hey, that's okay. That's my kind of story. All right. So I'm going to skip a big part of it, uh, but I, I do want to tell. So me and me and a friend of mine, uh, I, I'm sorry if I've told you the story before, but we were maybe, uh, I want to say, let's call it first grade. So however, you're all, however old you are in first grade. Sure. So I had my little brother and uh, as a little brother should do, uh, he was very successful at being annoying. And me and my first grade self uh, and my friend, we one of my good friends when we were growing up, we decided that we wanted to uh, not let my brother annoy us. And, and so one of the things I wanted to go into, which will maybe be a thing for another day, uh, but we were really into pogs, which is... Uh, like the most '90s thing I think you could possibly be into yes, as a kid, yes, yes, yes. which I wanted to ask if you if that was like well actually let's pause real quick. Like was that was I slightly older than you enough to the extent that you were you missed the Pogs era? I so I kind of did, but they were around peripherally. Like so, my okay. my older sisters. Not that it matters, but my older sister, uh, my I've two older sisters. One is four years older than me, and one is nine years older than me. So like. There's this weird overlap of a bunch of stuff that, like, was, like, late 80s, early 90s when I was really young that's, like, in my purview, but I wasn't, like, I didn't have Pogs. I didn't collect Pogs, okay. but I know okay. they are. One of the most fun Pogs stories I have was we had, there was, <laughs> there was like, this Pogs NBA game. Like, I wish that I could figure out actually what it was. I don't really remember the details, but basically you would have different NBA players and Pog stuff and scoring. And it was like Dirk's uh, rookie year and J-Kid and other stuff. Like it was like, it was such a good time of basketball. And uh, I don't know. That was my first, like I really got into NBA back then because of Pogs. Because of Pogs. Yeah. (laughs) I got, I got into this very athletic thing because of this very non-athletic thing. I wish that we heard that. You know how like uh, how athletes get asked like really inane questions uh, in interviews. I'd love to hear yeah. like what drove you to be an NBA player. Well, when I was f- uh, six, I really loved Pogs. 
You should have seen Dirk <laughs> on that guy, man. So cool. Right? I got to imagine that the time frame for that had to have been quite the narrow window. So I threw the needle there, but <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, but anyhow, back to what I was talking about. I, uh, so I had an annoying brother friend. We played pogs and stuff, uh, but we didn't want my brother to bother us. And we had a bunk bed back in the day and, uh, me and my brother did. And I, I had the brilliant idea that I was going to stop my brother from bothering us by putting tacks on the stairs up to the top bunk. And and me and my friend hung out up there and did whatever <laughs> NBA pog stuff we were doing <laughs> back then. But as a, any good younger brother would do, continued to annoy us uh, to the extent that uh, he had annoyed me to the point where I had been like, I was so, so frustrated that I stomped down the stairs to tell him how frustrated I was with him. <laughs> and I made it about three stairs down my uh, tack-ridden stairs that I fell <laughs> over with, like, probably 20 tacks in my foot, if oh. I remember right. <laughs> like, I thought I was so smart telling, or, like, preventing my brother from coming up to bother us, and then... Yeah, stomped oh, on man. down on, and it wasn't like I stepped on them. I stomped down on them, <laughs> out of, out of anger. Yeah. So. Oh my god. That was the story I wanted to tell because I feel That's like that so need, that needs to be immortalized. In That's a very nineties story too. I love it. I'm a, bit, a yeah. big fan. Um. So while while we're talking nineties uh basketball, uh, did you ever watch Three Ninjas as a kid? Mm, it feels very familiar, but movie. I don't know exactly what right, that well, is. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a brief overview. I won't get dive too deep. Okay. This isn't gonna become a Three Ninjas podcast, but it's a uh, <laughs> it's a '90s movie that encapsulates the '90s. I actually it very well could be like late '80s, but um, it's about three kids who are all brothers, whose grandpa is of course a, uh, a martial arts teacher, and they go to stay with grandpa one summer, and then it turns out he's not just a martial arts teacher; he's a ninja teacher. And he ah. teaches them the way of the ninja, and then he has the the kids have to rescue him when Grandpa gets kidnapped by I think other ninjas, like evil bad ninjas who like want him to work with them. I can't remember the exact details, but the reason I say is that there is a basketball scene in this movie where the two older brothers play basketball on the uh, uh, on their playground, uh, play two on two against some other kids to defend <laughs> some girl's honor, and oh. <laughs> There has never been a more 90s sequence of a film in my entire life. It's just, it's perfectly encapsulating watching like a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old play two-on-two basketball for like 30 seconds in montage form. Just everything you could ever want. I'm going to send you the clip and we'll watch it some other time, but I I love the 90s. (laughs) I'll, I'll watch it off air, but I feel like I don't even need to watch it like that. Like it just sounds like the most 90s thing yeah. ever. Yeah, and uh, the the best part is they're using their ninja skills, of course. Like you have to. I mean, you, obviously, yes. <laughs> it's important for these. Oh my god, so good! Oh so good. man, I feel like that's a good way to to cap this off. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, Nick, it's been good. Um, this has been the year we started a podcast. Podcast. Uh, thank <laughs> you, everybody, or all four of you that have listened. Um, I I hope this was this is entertaining. And yeah, Nick, thanks for spending the time. 
We're talking about nineties yep. podcasts and pogs and other things. The, the most or, important topic. Did I say did I say ninety nineties podcast? You did say nineties podcast. I wasn't gonna call you out on it. I will say that I probably would have listened to nineties podcasts even as like a seven year old or whatever, because I would have thought I was cool for doing so. So, you know. Yeah, and had we been doing that, we probably would be uh, a little more, I don't know. I feel like we've been pioneering a, a thing about 20 years before it caught on. Fair, yeah. See, this way we would have made it big. You should have thought. Right, we would, we would have been big, yep. Anyways, Nick, thank you for hanging out, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, man. Later.